The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Yo, hey. You're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcast, and this is the least professional wrestling podcast. I am not a professional broadcaster, audio editor, advertiser. If you've listened to the show, I think that's pretty apparent. (laughs) I'm just a lifelong fan who loves professional wrestling and sports entertainment, so I have a podcast talking about all of that. Um, This week, I review NXT TakeOver in your house, of course, I review the weekend wrestling with Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite. And then I preview uh, the coming up pay-per-view for WWE, Hell in a Cell. Uh, I give my analysis, my ratings, my predictions. Uh, you have all of that to look forward to. Let's get started with the Drews and Notes segment. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. NXT TakeOver In Your House happened this past weekend, so let's do that in this Drews and Notes section, go through the notes I have for that pay-per-view. The show started with the winner-take-all match. Um, It was Bronson Reed and MSK, the defending champions, versus um, Legato Del Fantasma. Um, This was a pretty fine opener. Um, the most spectacular part was Bronson Reed splashing Santos Escobar through the barricade. That was cool. Um, rest of the match wasn't all that spectacular, but it was a solid good guy win for MSK and Bronson Reed. I didn't necessarily expect them to lose. I would have been cool with Phantasma winning. They didn't. Oh, well, uh, we'll see where, um, both teams go. Um, as uh, these stories progress. The next match was Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee. This was a short match, but it was effective in making Zia Lee look good. Mercedes got her uh, strength back uh, with the post-match um, scenario with the chair shots to Boa and Zia Lee. Then Mei Ying rising out of her chair from the stage throwing Mercedes into the barricade. That was captivating. It was great cinematography for this post-match theatrics. Really good production. Looked really great. Now this uh, Tian Sha, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, has risen. And um, this Mei Ying character is mysterious, but it's finally done something physical. Xia Li, I love what they've been doing with her character. And Boa, we'll see what he does next. Um, But I I enjoyed this. It was quick, but really effective storytelling, to be perfectly honest. Um, After that, there was a promo with Champa and uh, Timothy Thatcher hyping their Tornado Tag match with Grizzled Young Veterans for Tuesday. Nothing spectacular. The next match was the Million Dollar Championship Ladder Match 
It was Cameron Grimes and uh, L.A. Knight. Of course, Ted T. Biasi was there. Um, he presented the million-dollar title, and then they uh, hung it high above the, the ring. This was a fun match. There were some good ladder spots. It wasn't a revolutionary ladder match, but it was entertaining enough. I was fine with whoever won the match. I'm I'm glad it was L.A. Knight. I think he'll be better with the title. Um, that's a title for bad guys. L.A. Knight is a bad guy. And uh, he can talk. He can go in the ring. I think it's going to be really, really useful. And it's really cool to just have the million-dollar title um, really around in uh, uh, modern-day wrestling. Because um, the heyday of the of the million dollar title was really before I was even born, so I'm excited to see what happens with the million dollar title, and it's something that's perfect for NXT. Then there was a hit row promo. It was what it was. The next match was the women's title match. It was Raquel Gonzalez, um, and uh, it it was uh, she uh, Raquel Gonzalez won the match um, versus Ember Moon. It was a really credible defense to keep building her. Um, I liked the finish with Raquel blocking the Eclipse from Ember. Um, really well done match to just make Raquel Gonzalez look good. And uh, ultimately, I think that was the goal. And it, it was effective. Then there was the Todd Pettengale and Dexter Loomis... Uh, game thingy promo I don't know it wasn't uh, it wasn't Sockham robots but uh, I don't know I don't know what it was it was like a handheld fighting game it was what it was then we had the main event the NXT title match the fatal five-way Karrion Cross, Adam Cole Johnny Gargano Kyle O'Reilly and who was the fifth um, who did I say Johnny Kyle, uh, boy, hold on, let me look this up, Pete Dunn, never mind, I don't have to look it up, I remembered, um, I'm glad somebody was pushed through the front door of the In Your House stage set, uh, Carrying Cross was, I thought it was a perfect opportunity with that set to have somebody do that, um, and I was hoping that would happen. The finish was kind of lackluster to to the match in my pen, in my opinion. It was decent. It was a decent finish, um, but with Karrion and Cross um, choking out Kyle O'Reilly, um, it just kind of ended. I don't, you know, it wasn't super suspenseful. The match wasn't really exciting to me. Um, they all did a good job. Um, uh, there were a lot of close finishes for everybody. Everybody had a part in the match where it looked like they were going to win the match. So that was good storytelling in that sense. Um, Cross choked out Kyle O'Reilly. So now the other three guys could have a story with Karrion Cross next. Um, it's a bit tougher for me. Uh, he beat four other guys. He continues to dominate, so I don't necessarily think they have as much of a reason but you know they could wwe nxt could always come out and say you know have one of these three guys uh pete dunn adam cole or johnny gargano kind of come out and say oh well you never beat me you you 
you choked out Kyle, so... Or even Kyle. Kyle could say, well, you know, I didn't tap. You didn't beat me. You just choked me out. Like, my body gave up on me, but I didn't give up. Um, so there's ways to go about the story with uh, um, continuing on with the NXT title. And at the end of the show, they did a little teaser where it seemed like William Regal was leaving as GM. And this was a cliffhanger. It was a good cliffhanger. Because overall, um, this put a cap on the show to make it uh, really intriguing to see the next show. And usually the best kind of entertainment, not just wrestling, um, gets you to be intrigued in what you what the next show is you know you're always selling to something next to the next thing it was a really well put together show all of the matches were good nothing to me really stood out it was an enjoyable show it wasn't one of the spectacular takeovers in my opinion i mean there's a high bar there for um, nxt to reach with the takeovers but the cliffhanger at the end with regal made the show um have that that extra little oomph on it where it was just like oh what's happening next i have to see what happened on NXT or what happens on nxt on tuesday and so we'll talk about what happened on nxt on tuesday in this next segment in the what drew money segment what drew money segment i give my favorite moments of the shows this week in wrestling i was just talking about nxt so i'll continue along that line even though nxt is now the last show before the recording of this podcast so i'm kind of going a little out of order here um but it, it ties in together as i said on nxt takeover in your house at the end of it it looked like william regal was going to retire. He said change needed to happen. William Regal came out on Tuesday on NXT and did a really great real promo. Like it was really really awesome. It was felt very sincere. It felt real. It felt like he was retiring. He gets interrupted by Karrion Cross and then Samoa Joe comes out and returns. And I really like this. Joe being back as Regal's enforcer is awesome um joe was released in april i believe in the april 15 around there releases pretty much to the shock of everybody because samoa joe is incredible i really like uh the way they stipulated this for joe's return um he's just basically going to be william regal's bodyguard he can't compete as a competitor in the ring um, or do anything physical unless he's provoked. Um, so it's the old, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. Um, back in the early 2000s when he was GM, he couldn't touch anybody or do anything unless he was provoked. And, uh, you know, there's uh, the funny segments where uh, Austin and Jericho are drinking beer, and then uh, Jericho taps 
Austin on his shoulder <laughs> in like a you know in a in a good gestured way, and that turns uh, Austin to stunner um, Jericho because he was physically provoked. Same type of idea here, um, and they even showed this uh, in a segment a little bit later on. Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly were going at each other. William Regal was in the middle. Joe came in, tried to break it up, and Adam Cole pushed Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe did a great job of registering it, making the audience realize, like, oh, yeah, he was pushed. So Joe went and choked out Adam Cole, um, and Joe is basically there to bring more respect to William Regal and uh, for William Regal's authority as general manager. I really like Joe being back in NXT. I always thought he was a little bit more suited for NXT, especially his original character in NXT. He was awesome, and he kind of just got lost in the shuffle when he went to the main roster. Um, he had so much potential. He definitely could be Universal Champion or WWE Champion, without a doubt. Um, I guess the powers that be just didn't see that. He did have the... Uh, the infamous Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view uh, against Brock Lesnar. And um, that was uh, probably his, uh, well, maybe not his most well-known storyline, but one of his most well-known storylines. That one in the storyline with AJ Styles and dealing with AJ's family, Joe showed a lot that he could do. He was good on commentary. Um, and then he was just released in April, like after calling WrestleMania. It was very bizarre. Um... I, I'm not sure what's going on with him health-wise. I mean, he can obviously do... He's not on the no-contact list because he choked out Cole this week on NXT, but it's weird he hasn't been an in-ring competitor um, for quite some time. So I don't know if something's going on or what the deal is. Um, but uh, I, I like Joe. I think he's going to do great on NXT, and he's a, a much-welcomed refresh refreshment for NXT. Um, as for some in-ring stuff, uh, not necessarily the match. Imperium fought uh, Brizango this week. Imperium won the match, and then they covered uh, Tyler Breeze with their Imperium flag. You could see um, they brought it out with them during their entrance, so that was you know, a little bit of a telltale sign of what was going to happen. Um, but you couldn't exactly see what it was. Like, you didn't know if it was a towel or a flag or, like, a coat or, you know, some sort of weapon um, and some, like, uh, you know, cloth covering. Um, so I really like this. I think this is cool. Um, but I will talk more about this moment in the Drew count. So let's continue with what I liked. Then there was uh, the L.A. Knight, Ted DiBiase uh, promo in-ring where Ted pre pre presented L.A. Knight with the Million Dollar Championship. This was a great segment. L.A. Knight was sincere. It was real. Um, his promo was so good to Ted DiBiase, basically telling Ted how much of a role model Ted is to him and how much of an inspiration he is and that he looked up to him as a kid and now it's such an honor to be million-dollar champion. And then, of course, like any good bad guy does, turned on the legend, turned on Ted and beat him up. This was perfect, you know. L.A. was relatable and with his promo, which, you know, I'm sure was 
pretty real, pretty factual. Um, he did a great job. And then the, the turn, of course, doing more business, keeping his uh, bad guy status. Just really awesome stuff from L.A. Knight. And uh, Ted DiBiase uh, did a great job in this segment, too, holding his own. This looks like it's going to continue the Cameron Grimes story, which I'm not totally excited about, but I like both Grimes and L.A. Knight. So really no harm, no foul. Just a really crowning moment, literally and figuratively, for L.A. Knight. Let's go to SmackDown. We're going to go back in time here. Um, I'm glad that SmackDown seems to be doing something with Liv Morgan and Carmella. And Carmella has this most beautiful woman in WWE uh, tagline attached to her now when she comes out. That's what she gets announced as after her match, whether she wins or loses. That's what she gets announced as. Seems to be WWE is doing something, um, especially with Carmella. I really like that character. Liv, now that there's no Riot Squad because Ruby Riot got released, uh, I hope they're doing something with Liv um, and she doesn't just kind of fade away. SmackDown's also doing something with Otis and Chad Gable, which I enjoy. Otis and Chad both have so much to offer, but they just haven't been um, given those opportunities. I mean, Otis was Money in the Bank. Uh, he did win the Money in the Bank ladder match last year, but he was a comedy character then, and he was never really seen to me as a credible threat to become champion. Of course, he lost it, lost the briefcase to The Miz, who ended up cashing in and winning the title. Um what's been going on with Otis the last year was weird. Like he had the storyline with Mandy Rose, which I didn't really like all that much, but a lot of people loved it. Then they were split on, uh, during the draft and there was really no other explanation of what happened between Otis and Mandy. Um, Chad Gable has been awesome for a while. He was in the lousy shorty G story. So I'm just glad to see that something a little bit more positive is going on. Otis is now this, uh, you know, this monster, basically. Um, and Chad is is the guy who hides behind the monster. The Ding Dong Hello segment with Bailey and Seth was great. I loved it. I love both Bailey and Seth. They've been incredible. They've been so good in this no audience era. Um they basically just laughed the whole time in this segment. Seth came through the door, which he's supposed to. Uh, of course, Bailey entered through the door, um, which is a little piece of their set uh, on Ding Dong Hello. And then the bell rang again, and Seth answers it, and Cesaro attacks Seth Rollins, um, completely destroying the set. Um, which ended up with Seth's pants splitting and coming off. I don't think this was on purpose. <laughs> this actually just happened. I, I replayed it a couple times and saw, like, no, his pants just, like, ripped. Um, <laughs> it was great. So he was there. <laughs> He's dressed up in his, his suit on top, but then just in his underwear on the bottom. And um, Cesaro destroys the Ding Dong Hello set which leads to Bianca Belair coming out and just laughing at Bailey. Really good segment for building two stories using two great performers with Seth and Bailey and then two other performers rising 
the, the rising good guys and Cesaro and Bianca um, getting a little shine as well. Um, and then there was another promo that I really, really liked, and that was Rey Mysterio's promo about uh, Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns' family and Rey Mysterio's family because uh, Roman came out uh, the previous week uh, in the second match with the Usos, the Mysterios and Usos, and beat up Ray and, and choked out Dominic and Cesaro, or Cesaro, and Ray obviously did not like that, being Dominic's father. Um, basically, this promo was very impassioned and said, uh, Ray said that Roman can do whatever he wants with uh, Roman's family, but to not mess with Ray Mysterio's fa uh, fatherhood and Ray's family. And then this led to uh, the the final segment uh, with Ray and Roman uh, going at each other and uh, the setup a match for Hell in a Cell, which we will preview later on. But really good segment by Ray. Um, good uh, a good job by SmackDown of kind of throwing this together, but not throwing this together. Um, so the story is there, and uh, we'll talk more about that match later on. So we're going to move to AEW Dynamite, the other show that was on a Friday, and it's going to be on a Friday again this week. Um, the Young Bucks, <laughs> Young Bucks just make me laugh now. Once I realized a couple weeks ago, like, what it was and what the characters are, I... I've just been enjoying it. The Bucks being absolute buffoons, just like so over the top. It's it's very entertaining to me. And then Brandon Cutler, of course, selling like just a total idiot, just overselling, sil like silly selling, really, really entertaining stuff. And they're just acting like doofuses. <laughs> you know, the Young Bucks are the bad bosses to Brandon Cutler and... <laughs> Cutler's just getting beat up, and the Young Bucks acting like jerks. It's great. And this this match um, with uh, the Death Triangle. Well, no, it wasn't Death Triangle because Ray Phoenix wasn't there, but it was Pentagon, uh, Pac, and Eddie Kingston. It was a good juxtaposition because uh, there was a promo with Eddie, Pac, and uh, Pentagon right before the match, and it showed this complicated relationship uh, between the three. and uh, So it was like that was very serious. And they had those moments of very seriousness, uh, which, you know, was juxtaposed to uh, the Young Bucks <laughs> and just being absurd. Um, so good, good storytelling. I liked that. Um, the match was fine. You know, I'm not a huge wrestling technician, technical... I like more stories, um, so that's you know what grabbed me. Um, and then the only other thing on Dynamite that I really enjoyed, being a story person, I liked the Pinnacles promo. I thought it was good. All five of the guys got to talk, um, besides Tully, and it wasn't amazing. It wasn't anything amazing. Like none of them were like, "Wow, that was incredible!" By just this one person, like. It was all of them were good, so all together it was really good work, and I was like, wow, okay, this is a really solid promo, you know, this guy to this guy to this guy to this guy to this guy, oh, just very well put together segment where all of them got in what they wanted to say to promote the match that uh, they're gonna have, 
uh, with the inner circle, the counterparts in the inner circle. And uh, it was a really, really fun segment. Um, moving to Monday Night Raw, the final show we got to talk about. I don't have too much for this, um, but I do like RK-Bro. And I think they're funny, um, especially their backstage segment. Where, of course, Riddle is going off of whatever. And Randy finally stops him and... Uh, uh, Riddle says, uh, something to the effect of like, oh, does this mean you like me now? And Randy just goes, no. <laughs> it's like, it's so funny. They're such an odd couple, but it works. They're great in the ring. Uh, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from RK bro. And then we had the debut or the re-debut, the return of Eva Marie. And they went back to what she was doing before. She, I mean, they did, did it a little less, uh, uh, they did it a little more subtly, I should say, this time. But she's basically doing the same thing that she did. She did not wrestle. She was supposed to wrestle Naomi, but, uh, instead, Piper, uh, Piper Niven came out, um, and beat out Naomi, uh, which we'll talk about in the Drew Count segment. Um, but then Eva Marie <laughs> grabbed the mic and proclaimed herself the winner without even stepping into the ring. Um, I, I liked that old Eva Marie character. Um, I hope they are doing something similar here. Um, and it's, it's a good looking combination. There's Eva, you know, the beautiful shredded woman. And then there's Piper, who's just this like, uh, monster uh wrestler who's just dominant and can be the bodyguard for Eva Marie who doesn't want to wrestle um I do wish Eva Marie came out to her older theme but I guess you can't do that with it was like all red everything and she's not all red anymore she's got pink hair um whatever but I think this is going to be a cool duo um you know they could do stuff with tag teams uh, with the women's tag team titles, um, they could have, they could build Piper as this monster and, you know, Eva is kind of her valet, but, uh, Eva as this single star too. Um, and you know, they're making Eva a bad guy, a bad character. So this was all good, but I do have more to say about this segment. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to the Drew count, uh, and continue this conversation. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got out! I can't believe it! Nobody's ever kicked out of that! In this Drew count segment, I give my moments to complain about in the week of wrestling. I was just talking about Raw and Eva Marie and Piper Niven, and apparently... The announcers on Raw have no idea who Piper Niven is, which is bizarre because I know who Piper Niven is, and uh, she's on NXT UK, and I have never watched one second of NXT UK. So, yeah, there's that. Um, I don't know what this deal, what the deal with, with uh, Piper Niven was here. The announcers were just not saying her name. Um... But she's been on advertisements for NXT UK during Raw. So I don't know if this was a thing that they just thought we're going to, uh, WWE just thought was going to go over. 
the heads of people. <laughs> um, and, and maybe this is something where it was this was not meant for me. It was meant for more casual fans who don't pay attention as much. Um, and they just bring in a new superstar because it is, it's a cool, it's a cool looking tag team. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a little bizarre. Um, something else that's bizarre on Raw, Miz still in a wheelchair. I, I don't know if I'm misremembering this. I don't think I am though. Like he was on, uh, Raw a few weeks ago which it was like a week after WrestleMania Backlash, after he was eaten by zombies. Um, and he was on Miz TV, and I'm pretty sure he was walking around. Maybe he wasn't. Um, it was a segment with Rhea Ripley and uh, Charlotte. I don't know. I guess I'll have to go back and try to watch it um, and see, but I'm pretty sure he was all right. Then last week, he just shows up in a wheelchair, and, you know, he said from his injuries from WrestleMania Backlash, and it's just like, what? Like... I get. I mean, he was eaten by zombies or something. Maybe, maybe this thing with zombies takes a while, and then your body starts to deteriorate. Maybe that's what's happening with the Miz here, because he was in a wheelchair again this week, and I don't get it. But uh, him and John Morrison were out there. Morrison actually had a match with Jeff Hardy. Miz was on commentary. This was a very short match. Uh, Morrison beat Jeff, um, and then Cedric Alexander came out and. Uh, Alexander was doing his promo, basically saying, like, he's going to retire Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy said, well, okay, I'll retire if you beat me. They had a match. Jeff won the match. This is 50-50 booking, and it just, it it's it's troublesome. It drives me nuts, especially for somebody like Jeff Hardy, who does not need 50-50 booking. Uh, he's a legend. He's been around for 20-plus years Jeff Hardy, even if he lost the rest of his matches in his career, would not be hurt whatsoever. He's established. He's a star. I don't get it. Um, and then formatting-wise, uh, and I don't know if this was just an oversight, but there were two countouts on Raw this week. Charlotte Flair lost by countout to Nikki Cross, and uh, Elias lost uh, by countout to Jackson Riker. To me... Maybe this is a nitpicky thing, but I really like when the finishes are different for all the matches on the shows. And I know, you know, there's a limited amount of things you can do. Because um, you don't want things to be, like, overdone. But to me, this was a little bit of a overdone type of situation where it was like, oh, there were two countouts on the show. I mean, granted, one was on, I believe, the first hour of Raw, and the other one was on the third hour of Raw. But still kind of a odd... Uh, Odd writing. Um, another thing with odd writing is on SmackDown, and that is the fight over the crown, which I think is stupid. I really like Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin and Rick Boogs, and I'm glad they're getting TV time, but this story is dumb. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to say it. Um, Baron Corbin, King Corbin, he's the king of the ring, but that was like, you know, two years ago when he won it. Um... Shinsuke Nakamura is the king of strong style. Maybe they'll turn this around and make it a big deal and be like, only one of us can be king. You know, like Bret Hart and uh, uh, Jerry the King Lawler type of situation. But yeah, it's a dumb story, but they're doing the best they can with it. Um, the other thing that I have for my notes here, 
that I didn't really like was uh, the main event where uh, I had mentioned previously in the What Drew Money with uh, Roman and Ray getting into a fight in the main event um, segment. And Roman, uh, well, Dominic Mysterio came out to try and defend his dad. Roman powerbombed Dominic from the ring to the outside. But to me, this looked really, really fake. I mean, they shot it like it was a bad action sequence in a movie or in a like low-budget TV show. Like, it really didn't look good at all. Dom was thrown out of the ring, but then he just went out of frame. I mean, he clearly, obviously, landed on some sort of crash pad, which I'm fine with them being safe. I'm good with that, but, like, it just looked weird. It looked bad to me. Um, do something different. You don't have to do this um, spectacular-looking thing that doesn't end up looking spectacular. Um, so just do something different. Um, you know, it wasn't as bad as AEW Blood and Guts where Jericho clearly landed on crash pads, and I think that was something WWE uh, is usually good at, but um, this just looked weird to me. Um, let's move to AEW since I just mentioned them for this segment. Um, and and, and production-wise, on that same note, AEW just cannot make up their minds uh, with what they want to do with the stage and the hard cam. And to me, it's 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 throwing me off. But I'm a person who likes consistency and structure. So like a month ago, the there was a limited crowd. Um, and the hard cam faced the stage with two tunnels. Two weeks ago, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, the there was more of a crowd. There was, like, full capacity crowd. There was a crowd on the staging, but there was only just a tunnel. Um, and the hard cam didn't face the stage. It was on the side of the stage. Last week, the hard cam was then facing the stage with the audience on it, but still the tunnel on the left. This week, no audience on the stage. The two tunnels are back. <laughs> Hard cams facing the stage. I don't know. I It's, uh, I, and, you know, I, I get it's probably because of the taping schedule. I don't think they're going live at 10 p.m. in Jacksonville on Fridays, and this is a result of the NBA playoffs and what's going on there. But, uh... Just make up your mind, please. Figure out what you want to do and just do it, you know? Just stick to it. Um, and another... I guess this is more of an editing issue. Jade had a promo that she did with Mark Sterling, and she was like, uh, oh, tell him about my catchphrase, and then, you know, gave her catchphrase. And then literally the next segment, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, they do a promo. Ethan Page ends it with whatever the heck he said. And Scorpio Sky was like, ooh, that's a good catchphrase. So, two segments in a row, the talent is using this word catchphrase. I don't know if it's, like, to hit the audience members over the head. I certainly don't need it. Like, yeah, I know those are the catchphrases. Like, you, if you just keep saying it, like, Jade, she keeps saying it. Like, you just keep saying it, I'll get that that's your catchphrase. You don't have to say, like, hey, by the way, this is my catchphrase, and I'm about to say it right now. Um, this is not the talent's fault. This is a communication thing on AEW. Um, especially, as I said, with the editing, like, why, why were these two segments put right back to back where they're both doing something pretty similar? 
Um, just, just weird. And uh, a, a lot of the time, especially with the matches, like a lot of the moves you see are all the same moves. Um, and that, you know, I'm not a big wrestling person. I'm more of a story person. So it doesn't necessarily phase me as much as other people. Um, but that's just like AEW's got to do a little bit better job of communicating of like who's doing what. Um, and WWE typically does a good job of that. I mean, yes, it is more micromanaged. It is a more structured format. It's less creative, but you know, the talent is given what they're given on AEW and they're doing their best with it. And I don't blame this on the talent. This could have been somebody in the editing room floor just been like, Hey, just take off that last, like, you know, two seconds. Um, and I'm not a great editor, so <laughs> it's just my suggestion. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, not, not the best, but, uh, going to NXT and, uh, something I think they actually took from AEW. Maybe they didn't, maybe it's just coincidence, but, uh, the flag covering that I mentioned earlier with, uh, uh, Imperium beating Brizango and then covering Tyler Breeze with the Imperium flag. I liked that, but it was clear something was going to happen, you know, uh, Imperium came out with this flag or what ended up being the flag in their hands. So it was a red flag, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, a red flag of, you know, what was to come and probably that Brizango was losing and whatever. Um, but more of my point is that, uh, AEW just did this like a month ago. Anthony Gogo covered Cody Rhodes with the Union Jack. Uh, I'm not sure if somebody saw this and then it was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let me just keep that in the back of my mind and let's not do it for a little bit. And then, you know, we'll do it. I, I like the idea of this being part of, uh, a group's character or a wrestler's character where they cover their, uh, opponent in, in a flag, like, uh, like Ted DiBiase, when he won matches, he used to stick money in his opponent's match, uh, in his opponent's mouth. Something like that is cool. It's unique. Um, but it just, you know, because of the recency of what, what just happened on AEW, it seemed like it was just kind of like taken from AEW and used on NXT this week. Um, wrestling wise, there was a tag match. It was Dakota Kai and, uh, Raquel Gonzalez versus Casey Canzaro and Caden Cross. Um, and, um, the, the, the match was fine. Just the finish and again, this is another production thing. I mean, it's slightly the talent's problem, but, you know, they're trying to protect each other. Um, and uh, Dakota Kai, like, totally missed on the kick in this finish of the match. Um, and then they showed it again on replay, and it was like, why are you doing this to your talent? <laughs> like, just use a different angle and make it look like they, it, she crushed. Um, I think it was Casey, like, with the move, and that's why the, the, the match ended. Um, <laughs> and then in a, in a rare, uh, flub by WWE, they did something, something very weird happened. So in the last hour of the show, Mackenzie Mitchell w uh, went to interview William Regal and Samoa Joe, and they went outside. And then all of a sudden that just got cut off and Tommaso Ciampa and, uh, MSK and Timothy Thatcher uh, Timothy Thatcher and, uh, Tommaso Ciampa were on their way to the ring. MSK were eating popcorn and that was that. Cause 
uh, you know, the main event was coming up with the tornado tag match with Grizzly Young Veterans and Tommaso Ciampa and um, Timothy Thatcher. Um, but then, <laughs> then NXT came back and Regal and Joe and Mackenzie were in Regal's office. And, you know, uh, Jenny Gargano comes in and blah, 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 whatever. The main event happens <laughs> Mackenzie, Regal, and Joe are back outside again with another interview. It was just weird. Weird, weird, weird. Like, this is something that doesn't happen on WWE, and especially, like, NXT. NXT is a pretty well-put-together show. Usually, I feel like it's the best put-together show because it's more simplistic, but it's effective. But this was just bizarre with their outside, and then they're, they're inside and outside, and then they're inside and outside, and I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. But, uh, you know, now looking at this, uh, all of these things I complained about in this Drew Count segment really had nothing to do with the talent. This was, these were production mishaps or formatting or editing mishaps. Uh, so the talent's really trying hard and, and doing a good job. It's just like, whatever's happening with these formats, with the formatting or the production or whatever it is, we're just slightly off this week. And hopefully they'll be better in this coming week. Um, but let's move on to the Redrew segment, and I'll give my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling. where I get my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling, but I don't do a star rating or number rating or grade letters. Nothing like that. I just do my own thing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you've listened to it, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. So the first show of the week after last podcast, SmackDown, it was a... Uh, it was a decent show. The first hour was, uh, eh, it was all right. It was okay. Uh, the second hour was better. It was really the only entertaining hour of the show. Um, so for that reason, I'm giving SmackDown the rating of a second half team. Because I'm a sports fan. The first half, not great. Second half, it was decent. Um, which is surprising for, for SmackDown. SmackDown's been pretty consistently good. Uh, all the way through. Um, but last week, you know, just a little misstep. But they finished well, and it's better to finish well than uh, start well. And uh, for Monday Night Raw, uh, they had the opposite problem. They uh, they were great in the first hour, and then the other two hours were meh. They're all right. I'm giving Raw the rating of first period domination. So this is like a hockey game because Raw is three hours. Hockey games are three periods. First period, Raw was great. Came out, firing on all cylinders. Really good execution. Next two uh, hours, next two periods, eh, not that great. So, you know, main roster, whatever we want to call it, WWE shows, um, really put together, well, I don't know, I guess uh, one, one and a third good Shows the first hour, really two hours. They put together two good hours of TV this week uh, out of the the five for SmackDown and Raw, which is uh, two out of five 
you know, that's not great. I mean, 40%, but uh, usually you're hoping for a little bit more, at least, you know, 50% or better. Um, as for AEW, it wasn't that special of a show, but it was an enjoyable experience throughout the whole thing, uh, basically. And so I'm given AEW Dynamite last week the rating of uh, a good day for a drive. So, you know, uh, sometimes it's a nice day. You go out, you do a nice drive, 30, 40 minute drive, an hour drive. It's not anything special, but it's still enjoyable. You know, you don't do anything spectacular. That's what AEW Dynamite felt like this past week. It wasn't spectacular in any sense, but it was it was enjoyable. It, it was good. And going to their former Wednesday Night War counterpart, NXT. NXT really got a shot in the arm. Well, I guess I could have put that as the rating or, you know, a vaccination or whatever to be uh, on topic for current times. Uh, but I'm actually giving NXT the rating of old is new. So they got a fresh start by using this older talent like Ted DiBiase, uh, Samoa Joe coming back to the brand and just uh, renewing some stuff and having new fresh stories that can can be done um, with these uh, uh, more tenured wrestlers, these more tenured talent. Um, but but it's good. What's done with Ted has been good. What was done with Joe this past week was good. Hopefully this is the uh, start of something a little bit newer, a little bit fresher, and I know uh, especially... NXT, they have a few uh, special things come up, like they have uh, a Great American Bash uh, in a month. Um, so they'll be building the Great American Bash, and hopefully the storylines will be pretty good um, for that. Um, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see um, where those uh, where this new start, or this, this refresher takes NXT. Um, but I'm going to take this podcast to uh, one more segment there is a WWE pay-per-view coming up this Sunday, Hell in a Cell. And so I will preview and give my predictions for that uh, pay-per-view in the What You Gonna Drew, Brother segment. As of this recording, there are five matches announced for Hell in a Cell coming up this Sunday for uh, WWE. Um, the first one we'll talk about is just a singles match. It's the only one that doesn't have a title involved. Um, it's a personal issue between Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler. I've enjoyed this story. Uh, yeah, the, the week that that Raw ended with, uh, Shayna being taunted by Lily was a little wonky, but, um, I didn't hate it as much as a, a lot of other people I saw. Um, I'm assuming Alexa will win this match by some sort of, uh, supernatural scenario. Um, I don't know if this will be it for the story or what the deal is, but, uh, yeah, I think Alexa wins this one, um, uh, in some weird fashion, <laughs> some supernatural fashion. Um, it'll be good to see her wrestle though. I know she wrestled on, uh, Raw and, you know, wrestled in a actually pretty normal match with Nia, um, which she doesn't do a lot. Shayna, I like Shayna. Um, both of these, I'll just be rooting for both of them because uh, 
I like both of them. Um, let's go to let's keep it. Let's keep the the women uh, on uh, on topic here. We'll go to the Raw Women's Championship since we just talked about a Raw match, singles match. Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. I'm not super invested in this match. Charlotte's been great with her character as an antagonist. Rhea Ripley. Um, I don't know where she necessarily falls. Like, I don't know if she's a, uh, a protagonist or an antagonist, or maybe she's in the middle. Um, Charlotte's definitely the, the bad guy, the bad character in this story, but Rhea's not necessarily the good guy. Like, I wouldn't call her, like, she's the clear-cut good guy, and it seems like Rhea's trying to find herself, um, especially with the title on Raw, um... This will be an interesting one. Um, I I think Charlotte's been so good. Charlotte uh, getting the title would be fine. I wouldn't be surprised if Rhea won. This one's tough to call for me. I'm not really sure on this one. If it was me, I would put the title on Charlotte. Let her run with it for a while. Because like she says, she's the opportunity. She is the most established star. Let her, you know, be the Roman Reigns of the women's division and just stomp people out. Um, Rhea, given the title immediately, uh, WWE likes to do this. They, like, put the title right on somebody who's brand new, kind of to, like, establish them. But to me, I like when it's a little bit more um, methodical. So, for example, I'm going to use an NXT um, NXT example here. Uh, MSK, they came in. They won the Dusty Cup, won the tag team titles, but I still don't really know much about them. Uh, Legato del Fantasma. Uh, Fantasma, same thing happened with him. He won the Cruiserweight Championship, but then now his story is developing and he's building. So he lost the Cruiserweight title, but now he's moving to the North American title. And, and you know, he's afforded that, uh, that um, assurance because he is a single star. Um... So, and he'll probably long-term, he'll win the title, he'll win the North American title and then lose it, and then move on to the NXT title and keep building. Um, you win the title right away. It is tough to keep building and building um, right out of the gate. So, uh, I could see for Rhea's sake, she keeps it and beats Charlotte and gets her win back from uh, WrestleMania last year from losing the NXT title to Charlotte Flair. Moving over to the women on SmackDown. Bianca Belair defends the SmackDown Women's Championship against Bailey. As much as I would love Bailey to win this match, I don't think she's going to. Um, Belair, I'm still not totally sold on her. She's a great athlete. Um, I think she's got to work a little bit more on just seeming more comfortable, you know, in this championship role. Um, but Bailey, she's awesome. I think this will be a probably pretty good match. Um, this will, this I think will be the best match of the three women's match on the card. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing Bianca Belair wins this one. The story's all right. Bailey just laughing at the Bianca Belair at the rookie. Um, I think this has all the makings for Bianca winning and you know shutting Bailey up. Going to the Hell in a Cell matches. There is the. Universal Championship match uh, for SmackDown. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio. 
this story was kind of just thrown together within the last week or so, the last couple weeks with the tie-in with the Usos and the Mysterios and the tag team titles. Um, Ray is the tag champion. Roman Reigns, Universal Champion. I don't see Ray winning this match. I, I bet you this will actually end up being a really good match because Ray is so good and Roman is so good. This might be the match of the night. Um, it might be the main event. I'm not sure. I would put it as the main event. Um, you know, one of the Hell in a Cell matches has to be the main event. It's probably going to be a Hell in a Cell match starts the show and a Hell in a Cell match ends the show. Um, so Roman, I think, definitely takes this. Uh, the sympathy that Ray will get in the match, it'll build and build. The Roman Reigns will get. Uh, he'll he'll look dominant, but there'll be a couple of moments where it'll look like Ray's going to shock the world and win and. I think that'll, you know, rope me in and get me invested. Uh, I think this will be a good match, but uh, looking for Roman Reigns to win this and continue his dominance as the head of table, the tribal chief. And then there's the final match. Also a Hell in a Cell match. This is for the WWE Championship is Bobby Lashley defending against Drew McIntyre. Now this is the opposite of the Reigns and Mysterio storyline. This storyline has been going on for quite some time, at least... Uh, February, I believe. So, you know, February, March, April, May, June. Five months. That's, uh, right? February, yeah, to March, April, May, June. Four months. Um, that's quite a long story. I'm a bit bored with it, a bit tired with it. Um, if Drew McIntyre doesn't win, he doesn't get a shot at the WWE title again while Bobby Lashley's champion. Um, I think Bobby Lashley should win this match keep building him to be a monster um i don't necessarily know where mcintyre goes after this and i don't really know where then the wwe championship goes after this but i do have a sense that um you know bobby's gonna win and then there's gonna be a story with kofi kingston because there's the there's been the side story with mvp and kofi and the new day and uh that kofi's you know he lost kofi mania for uh these reasons and uh Kofi takes offense to that so I I can see the title moving to a story with uh Kofi and Bobby Lashley which would make sense Drew McIntyre I'm not sure what Drew does after this I mean he's been in the title picture for a year and a half now and um to me he's really like the only credible uh competitor uh contender for the title I mean Kofi's Kofi's a contender, and they'll make Kofi be a, a credible contender. Um, but for now, yeah, I don't know where where Drew will go after this. I'm sure they will figure it out, or they already have it figured out. But I, I am going to look for Bobby Lashley to win this match. Um, who would uh, main event the show between this and, and, and uh, uh, the SmackDown Hell in a Cell? Um... This is the longer story, so it would make sense for this to be the main event of the show. But Roman Reigns is such a, a, a monster right now. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that match is the, uh, is, the, is the main event. And then the three women's matches will be in between. Um, of course, you know, we have SmackDown on Friday coming up after this podcast is released. So maybe a couple more matches will be added, like an Intercontinental title match um 
something like that, or there'll be a pre-show match added the day of. So there'll probably be more than five matches, um, but uh, I'm looking forward to Hell in a Cell. It's kind of weird that Hell in a Cell is in June, but I get why it's in June, because they want the crowd to be around to return for Money in the Bank, so they pushed Money in the Bank a month and took um, Hell in a Cell, which is usually like September or October, I think, and moved it to June. Um, so maybe they're just kind of like moving their pay-per-view schedule around a little bit. So Money in the Bank will be in July and SummerSlam will be in, um, August, uh, on a Saturday, which is cool. Um, and then September, October, you know, whatever those pay-per-views are going to be like Night of Champions and whatever. Um, so yeah, Hell in a Cell, the second Hell in a Cell, uh, during the, uh, the pandemic era with no crowd. Um, and, uh, we'll see if this will be the best pay-per-view of the, the, the pandemic era without a crowd. I hope it is. I hope this is the send-off as a really great pay-per-view to, um, have the crowd return to. Um, but if not, you know, it's kind of just, uh, thrown in their pay-per-view to me. Um, but I'm still looking forward to it and, uh, I hope, uh, you, uh, enjoyed your uh listening experience here and my breakdown of the weekend wrestling um if you want to contact me or reach out to me you can do that through facebook instagram or twitter at dwopod or if you'd like to send an email because it's a little bit more formal you can do that uh email address is dwopod at gmail.com do all the things Please to support the show, you know, like the show, follow the show, subscribe, share, retweet, uh, comments, review, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all of that stuff. If you want to further support the show, click on the uh, anchor page, the button on the anchor page. Whatever you put there will get put right back into the podcast. Um, if all you do is just listen, I really appreciate that. If you think somebody may like the show, uh, because they like wrestling and you enjoy uh, my analysis that I do here and uh, you have a friend uh, that you think might like it as well, just tell your friend to uh, spread the word and say, uh, hey, you know, check out the Drew World Order podcast. You know, that's all they got to type in, Drew World Order podcast. We're basically on all podcasting platforms and uh, hopefully we can build this positive wrestling community so we can share our thoughts with each other and uh, just enjoy watching wrestling together. Well, I am going to get out of your ears. I was going to say hair, which, well, you might have hair in your ears. So I guess that would be correct. But I'm going to get out of your ears. I hope you enjoyed the week of wrestling. I hope uh, we have a good pay-per-view coming up here with, uh, with uh, Hell in a Cell. We had five shows last week. We'll have five shows this week. Uh, and we'll review... Um, well, I guess, yeah, well, I'll review the five shows, uh, including the pay-per-view of Hell in a Cell next week. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope your experience was Drew Sweet.